You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. We are going to talk about being a living sacrifice, which I know doesn't sound awesome, but it actually is incredible. And so one thing that I have come to do is just like part of uh, my journey with the Lord. And so being actually being a living sacrifice isn't a one-time occurrence. It is actually a lifelong decision. And so it is moment by moment that we make a choice to get on the altar and let the Lord love on us. So one thing that the Lord has done just in my journey with him is he probably for the last five years, not probably for the last five years, he has given me a verse. It's just, I don't know, it's just something that we have together, our relationship, where he'll just, at the end of the year, I always, in December, I'll kind of just reflect on the year. I'll, you know, I'll just talk to the Lord. Lord, did did I accomplish everything that you had in your heart for me? Is there things I need to know? What direction are we going? What things did you teach me? What things do I need to still yet learn? That is just something how I, that's just how I process with the Lord. And without fail over the last five years, he has just given me a verse of the year. And so it's been it's been so fun, but then sometimes, you know, very enlightening, which is what the Word of God will do. It will come and it will enlighten you. And so what what always seems like, and it is, it's the Word of God, so it's awesome. What always seems like, oh, yes, yes, Lord, is like, you know, he just begins, he does a work in you with the verse that he shows you. And it's so fun throughout the entire year, he will keep bringing things up and he will keep bringing things up because who knows that the word of God is alive and it is active and it is so deep and it is so wide and so you can it's unsearchable because the Lord is unsearchable there's so much vastness that you can read the same scripture over and over and over and over again and pull out something new and new and new every time because that's just how revelation comes and so that's like what the Lord does for me and with me with each of these verses. So I'm going to just share the verse that the Lord gave me. And you know, it's my heart's cry. Like, I love the Lord so much, and I want him to burn inside of me. And not only do I want him to burn inside of me, I want to burn for him. I want passion. I want zeal. I want fervency. I want all those things. And so it was just awesome, the verse that God gave me. So this is Song of Solomon. It is the Passion Translation. If you haven't read the Passion Translation, I will keep saying, read the Passion Translations only in the New Testament, um, Psalms, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon. It will rock you. I don't always like read it, but I read it a lot of times it's good in conjunction. I don't know. It just does my heart good because it makes the, the word just I don't know, it speaks to me in a different way. So Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6, and this is the Passion Translation. And I'm just going to read part of it because we'll get into it a little bit later. But it says, is it up there? Okay. 
All right, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My, and then my passion, it's stronger. And so I love that. Like that is my heart's cry. Lord, will you, I will fasten you upon my heart. Will you fasten me upon your heart? Like I want you to burn. I want you to be seen. I want to be not only known by you, which I am, but I want to know you in deeper ways. And as I go deeper with you, I want you to catch me on fire. I want you to consume me. And so, you know, sometimes we have to be careful what we pray for because when you're asking the Lord to come and consume you and burn you and change you, guess what you just did? You gave him an invitation to help steer you and guide you in the right way. And sometimes, like, I, I think we, we will say things, so we shouldn't say or pray things flippantly. We should know what it is that we're saying. Sometimes I remember singing a song. Um, we haven't done it in a while, but like, take me into deep waters. I think it's oceans where um, my faith is without borders, and I'm singing, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm in the deep waters. Lord, help me. But he does. He helps me. So I'm like, and then I know one time too, for a while I had the prayer of Jabez on my mirror and I was faithfully declaring it out of my mouth. Enlarge my borders, Lord. Expand my tent pegs. And he started to enlarge my borders and extend, extend my tent pegs and Sometimes growth is really painful. Those of you who have had babies completely understand that when you're stretching, you're growing your capacity. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh. So um, probably about after a month of having that up, I pulled that down. And I was like, I have been stretched enough. I do not want to stretch anymore. Let me, <laughs> no, that's serious. Let me, let me, um, let it stop, Lord. Just, I got to catch up. So be careful what it is that you pray for. <laughs> um, so I, I want to have the Lord burn in me. I want to be known by God. I want God to be known by me. And so, um, I desire these things. And there are a few people in the Bible I just want to take you through who also desired these things. And then we can see as a testimony through their life how they, how they went on the altar, how they desired Jesus so much, how they sought him that nothing else mattered, that they were able to go and do the things that Jesus wanted them to go and do. And one of them is Jesus. So let's look at John 17 and 4. And I, I love this verse. It's, uh, is it up there? Okay. I have glorified you on earth. This is Jesus talking. It is red letter. Whenever you see red letter, that's Jesus. And he he's like praying to the Lord right now. He's has his attention and affections focused on God. And he said, I have glorified you. So this is Jesus talking to his father, having a conversation 
with the one. He said, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to have the conversation with the Lord at the end of my life, and actually not at the end of life, at the end of each day, saying, Lord, have I done the things that you saw in your heart for me to do? Have I done them? Have I finished them? And Jesus was able to say this, and this word finished, I cannot pronounce it. It's the same word where we get the word telescope, and it's like a pirate's telescope where it is extended. It has fully been, Jesus was saying, like, my telescope is fully extended. I have reached full capacity. I have done everything. And I want that. I want to be able to extend my telescope out, my journey with the Lord, and say, I have done everything. Not only that, but I have glorified you. I have not made this life or my life about myself, but I have made it about the one, the one who changes everything, the one who comes and burns and consumes us. That is what I want it to be about. And then we have this awesome example of Paul. So if you'll turn over to Acts and Acts 26 and 19. Let me flip here. And this is when Paul, he is, you know, Paul lived an amazing life. At first he was persecuting the church. He was doing what he desired. He was fulfilling the vision that he had for himself. And then he encountered the road or the Lord on the road to Damascus and God changed everything. He picked him up and he redirected his life and he set him on the path that he always saw for him to get set on. And this is Paul at the end, towards the end where he is um, making a, a statement to this king's, you know, telling of what, giving account for what he did, of what he accomplished, that he was able to say, and I love this, in 2619, he said, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Could you imagine? I, I, I am imagining this, but I have not arrived to this full place where I have not been disobedient. You know, we have, we have things that we want on our own that isn't necessarily even bad, but it's not exactly what God wants for us. And I want to be an obedient daughter. I want to be the daughter that is able to stand at the end of her life and say, I, I wasn't disobedient to the things that you saw for me, God. I didn't say no. I lived a life where I said yes. And I continued to say yes. And it it didn't matter what it cost me. It didn't matter how hard it was. It didn't matter what I went through or what I didn't go through or what I had or I didn't have. We hear Paul talk about that. He was content in all things and his life wasn't his own. His life belonged to the Lord. And so he was able to say this at the end, like I, I did it. I did whatever it is that the Lord wanted me to do. So it doesn't matter if you are the one who condemns me. It doesn't matter if you are the one who sends me off to die because I did everything. And he is telling this to the king. He is giving account 
even before at the end of his life where he is standing before a king and saying, I did these things. He's proclaiming the gospel still yet. He wasn't scared. He wasn't fearful. He was just standing there giving glory to God. And then we have Stephen. And let's look in Acts 6. So just go back just a few chapters here. And 8 and 10. You have to remember Stephen. He was the awesome man of God. And this, let's reverse 8 through 10 here. And it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there were some. They arose from what is, oh, no, hold on. I'm reading verse 8. I want to go to verse 10. Oh, I said 8 through 10. Okay. Um, And 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the Holy Spirit from which he spoke. So Stephen, he was declaring the goodness of God. He was declaring all the wonders. And not only declaring it, he was walking in power. So there were signs and wonders that were proceeding from him. And the people, they, they couldn't resist him. But they wanted to resist him because they did not want to hear what it is that they say. So... If we fast forward, and so all through this, Stephen is giving account of all the things that God did, of all the signs and wonders. He's giving account to the people that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Messiah, that God is good, that God is who he says he is, and that he will do what it is that he says he will do. And and Stephen, he wasn't, he wasn't moved by the naysayers and the persecutors. He was focused in on the Lord. And if we look at Acts 7 and 54 through 57 here, it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed teeth at him. Sometimes when we are saying and doing the things that God is asking us to do and we're saying yes, there are going to be people who don't like what we're saying, but it cannot stop us. It should not hinder us from doing what it is that the Lord says that we will do because there is protection, there is grace, there is favor to do those things. And then in the midst of the ones who don't hear, there will be people who hear. And you can't discount the seeds that are placed in the people, even if they don't want to hear them. And so I love this. Instead of, instead of Stephen running away, He did this. He pressed into the Lord, and he leaned into the Lord, and this is what he said. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, he lifted his head, and he looked at God, and he gave other people an invitation to see the things that he saw, to hear the things that he heard. And it said, look, I, well, hold on. It says, um, he gazed in the heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. He was so in tune to the Lord 
that it didn't matter what was happening in other people. It was causing faith to rise up in them, but, but because they didn't want to hear, they didn't want themselves to give up their fleshly desires, to give up their life. They resisted. It says God resists the proud. And so where in our life are, are we being proud or having pride? Are we resisting the Holy Spirit? Are we not leaning in and seeing the things of God? Because that is where everything and all the goodness and glory happens. So they cried out with a loud voice. <laughs> they had to stop their ears. Like, could you imagine this? Like, I'm ministering and say you put your ear, your hands over your ears because <laughs> you can't, you can't stand to hear. And the only thing that they knew to do was to, you know, kick them out and stone them to make them be quiet. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter to Stephen because his life wasn't his own. His life belonged to the Lord, and it didn't matter what it cost him. He was looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. And even like Paul was saying, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to live. I get to be here with you. But to die, I also get to go live and be with the Lord. So these people, they didn't, they didn't count their life as their own. They counted it to the Lord. So then the question is, how? How do we get to this place where we can deny our flesh, where we can walk and be so in tune to the Lord that we can see the will of God work and happen in our lives? So let's flip over to Romans 12. And let's read Romans 12, 1. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And when I was reading this, we want to present our, our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we want, I don't know about you, I want to get on the altar. But sometimes it's really hard to get on the altar because you have desires and you have flesh and there's things that you want and things that maybe you don't want. And it's just this balance of going from, do I get on the altar or I don't get on the altar and I want to get on the altar and I want to burn for God, but I'm going to have to give up this or I'm going to have to let go of this or maybe the Lord will bring up this thing that I don't want it, him to see or maybe we just don't even have any desire. And so part of the time, like I, I was asking the Lord when I was preparing, when? When, was, when did this journey begin? And I've been asking for weeks for the Lord to remind me when I began the journey of getting on the altar, when, when this, this kind of relationship started where I just desired him, where I wanted more of him, where I keep saying no to these fleshly things, where I keep being ignited with the things of who he says that I am. And I hadn't heard, and I hadn't heard. And I, I like to know when, like, things began. I don't know. It's just me. And this morning during worship, the Lord, he reminded me of the moment 
where this started. And I actually had written about it. I was in this place in my life where I wasn't pursuing the Lord. I had relationship with the Lord. I knew that he was my God and I was born again. And I thought, that's enough. I thought, that's good enough. I'm not the one who's called into ministry. I'm not the one who needs to seek the Lord. I'm not the one who needs to care what's really happening. I'm not the one who needs to develop a relationship. I'm not going to be the one who's standing in front of people, sharing the gospel, sharing the goodness of God. I'm, I'm not the one. I don't, I don't need it for myself, but I want it. I want it for him. And we had come home from Bible college and we were at this crossroads. And I was just, I think being a good wife and a, a mother and working and doing the things that I knew to do, not necessarily desiring anymore. And pastor said to me, he said, we can't, we can't go on like this. We can't, I can't continue down the road that God has for me if you aren't also developing in your relationship with the Lord because it will cause division and much trouble between us. And I, I had to come to this realization that I always said I would never be the thing that got between him and his calling because at that moment I didn't realize that I was called. I didn't realize that my relationship with the Lord mattered so much to him, that he desired me, that he called me, that he chose me, and that I do have ministry. I have ministry to my husband. I have ministry to my children. I have ministry to my family. I have ministry to my co-workers. I have ministry to the other moms that I'm in contact with. I have ministry to my kids' friends. Like, I have ministry to all this, and God was welling that up in me. He was saying, you are called. I do desire relationship with you so much, but I myself, I did not desire relationship. And pastor said to me, we, we, I, I'm going to give it up right now. I'm going to lay it down. And I was like, oh, Lord, no, no, he can't give it up for me especially. So I did what it is that I knew to do. I got, and I'll just read what I wrote here. I got real with the Lord. And this getting real experience wasn't a pretty picture. It wasn't one kneeling beside their bed with hands folded, going quietly to the Lord in prayer. It was real and it was raw. I was angry and hurt and so broken. You guys, the Lord knows when you're hurting, the Lord knows when you're broken. The Lord knows when there's that raw emotion and it's not making him back away from you. He's actually leaned in and what he wants is us to lean into him in those moments because he already knows. And the thing is, is that when we lean into him, he can cover us and he can be our ever present help in time of need. So that's what I was doing. And this, um, so I was hurt and so broken. This actually reminds me a lot of Hannah in the Bible. The picture, the word paints of her conversation with Eli. Hannah was a hot mess, but she still went to the Lord. And that is exactly what I did. I was like, Lord, 
who knows, when you call on the name of the Lord, instantly he comes. Hallelujah. And this is what I prayed. And some of us need to know it's okay to pray this. It's okay to be at this place where you, well, it's not okay to be at a place where you don't desire the Lord, but he'll meet you even at that place. And I said, Lord, I don't desire you. I don't even want to desire you. I don't think that I need this. But Kent is telling me that I do. So I will honor him and ask. Give me the desire from you. Show me what I need and show me how to seek you. Lord, I need help. I need vision. I need more than what is happening right now. And I went to bed. And in that moment of going to bed and waking up, God encountered me in an incredible way where all of a sudden what was stirred up in me, desire, passion, hunger, fervency, where I wanted a relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that I didn't, I got beside myself. I I got rid of the pride and I got on the altar and I said, God, I need your consuming fire. I need it to come and I need it to burn me. But here's the thing that we're often scared of in the fire is God revealing to us our inadequacies. The places where we don't rise up or where we don't meet, but actually on the fire, the thing that he wants to reveal to you more than anything is who he says that you are. Who he says that you are, who he created you to be, the hope and the vision and the passion and the desires that he saw for you at the beginning of time. He saw and he said, I want you to see what it is that I see, but the only way for you to see what it is that I see is for you to get on the altar and let me consume you. Oh, but, and here's the beautiful thing also about the altar. Well, and let me just tell you too, God is so good that he, if you ask him, show me who you say that you are so that I can do the things that it is that you created me to do, he will. He will begin to show you. If you ask him, God, what did you write about me before the beginning of time? What is in my book? That is scriptural, Psalms 139 and 16. He wrote a book about you. He has plans, purposes, visions, desires, longings in his heart that he has for you from before time began. And not only that, he deeply and utterly desires to reveal them to you. And so he said, (laughs) this is what he says about me, which I love. And if you don't write it down, write it down, because sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the things that he says about you, because it's in that reminding, it's in that building you up that you want and you long to get on the altar so that you can continue to hear what it is that he says about you. And here's the thing too, is that the fire it consumes to reveal good things. And it will just automatically, when you're running after God, the things that don't belong, they just come off with ease and not with like, oh, 
you know, sometimes we have a surrendering of our flesh that's harder than other times, but most of the time it's just like, I don't want that thing anymore because it doesn't match what it is that you want, and I so want what you want because it's so much better than anything I could ever do. Hallelujah. So this is what God says about me. He called me confident, strong, and this new one he just gave to me this year as he's revealing about the fire that consumes, but it also causes radiance. And so he calls me radiant warrior daughter. Hallelujah. It's because of what he says about me and what he's continuing to say about me that I'm able to stand up here and be able to proclaim the goodness of God. It's how I'm able to go into the grocery store and see somebody in need and say, God loves you. Let me love on you. It's how I'm able to ask the Lord, what do you say about that person so I can come into agreement with what it is that you are saying? That is how I'm able to do that because I know what God says about me. And I want other people to know what he says about them. And one other thing that God was just revealed to me as I was just remembering and studying the scripture was he just brought up mercy. He says, I beseech you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God. The mercy of God is not getting what you deserve. A lot of times when we get on the we won't get on the altar because we know our inadequacies. We know the wrong things that we do and we think that getting on the altar God is going to reveal them to us those things those deep things that are so we don't want anybody else to know. And so we think that we can hide them from God when he already knows the thing and he's not discounting you because he knows the thing. What he knows is that if you get on the altar, I can reveal what I say about you and no longer will you relate to those things that don't matter anymore, but I will pour my mercy upon you and show you who it is I have called you to be. So it, it won't keep you away from it. It will make you run to it. The enemy has a plan for your life. You have to remember that. But God has a bigger plan for your life. And so if you can get rid of any shame thinking by putting on mercy thinking, by developing a mercy culture within yourself where you say God is so good that his mercy is covering me, that I no longer have to relate to the things that I'm not supposed to, and that I don't get the things that I do deserve because God already took care of it. Jesus already took care of it. When God looks upon me because I have said yes to Jesus, he sees Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I just about developing a mercy culture. I want to read a couple scriptures to you. So let's look at Exodus. And I should have marked this in my Bible, but I didn't. So we're going to go to Exodus 33. And this is when Moses was on the mountain and he was talking to the Lord. Hallelujah. We can talk to the Lord. I love that. 
I love that. We could talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. We do not have to climb up a mountain to talk to the Lord. I can say, Lord, how how are you right here, right now? (laughs) Okay. And Exodus 33 and 18 through 19, and this is Moses saying, Please show me your glory, the thing that Moses wanted to see more than anything. And who knows? Moses was not always so awesome. He had his own problems. He had his own inadequacies. But God met with him, and God used him, and God covered him. And so this is what Moses said to the Lord God Almighty. Show me your glory. And then the Lord said, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And if you flip over to 34, chapter 34, and look at verse 6, it said, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed This is what God proclaimed to Moses. You need to hear this because this is what he is proclaiming. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Hallelujah. That is what God proclaimed to him. I am merciful. I am merciful, and he is continued to be merciful, and he will not not continue to be merciful. He is merciful, and that mercy is going and can pass before you. And if you, let's look at Psalms 145, 9. Going too far. Do we have it pulled up? It says, the Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are all over his works. It says they're tender. They're not, they're not mean. It's not condemning. It's tender, which means it's very drawing. It's very compassionate. It's very pleasing mercies. And guess what? They are all over his works, and you are his work. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and his mercy is covering you. Oh, hallelujah. And let's look at Psalms 23 and verse 6, one of my most all-time favorite passages of Scripture. And if this, if you read, it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because his mercy is going behind us and following us. We can get on the fire. We can get consumed. We can be consumed because his mercy is the thing that has covered us. His mercy is the thing that he is declaring to us. He has it. You're covered. He's not going to pull up and reveal bad, your past things, your inadequacies, the things that you don't amount up to. He's going to tell you, I love you. I care for you. You are good. 
I am well pleased with you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my creation. You are the thing that I long to be with. (laughs) Hallelujah. And it's in, well, okay, there's the Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, and that's where we get his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. Uh, If you want to pull that up, Lamentations um, 3, 22. Oh, here we go. Though the Lord's mercies were not consumed. So I love this. Even though we're on the fire, we are on the altar, guess what's not consumed? His mercies are not consumed. They're still ever-present covering us, and his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So when you didn't do the things that you should have done or the things that you wanted to do or the things God saw for you to do in one day, you can wake up in the morning and you can say, God, your mercies are new today. Hallelujah. Let me get on the altar. Let me be consumed by you so you can burn in me all the things and tell me who I am so I can do all the things that you saw for me at the beginning of time. So let's look. So I want to just relook at um, Romans 12 and 1. And it says, by the mercies of God, that is how we can present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, and we are acceptable. We are set apart to God, and it says that this is your reasonable service, and another translation says that this is your act of worship, and it's the thing that you want to do because worship is when you put God in the highest a part of your mind and you're magnifying him and he is in your thoughts. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's, it's easy to get on the altar. It's easy when you know his mercy is covering you and you know that when you get on the altar, his, his consuming fire is to show you how to fulfill the work he has for you, the, the call of Um, your life that he has for you, that you can do that. You want to do that. You long to do that because, and it becomes an act of worship. All of a sudden, it's it's not hard. It becomes very easy. And let's, I'm going to go back then to this verse. And Song of Solomon 8, and I'm going to just read you verse 6 and 7, and I'm going to close with this, where all of a sudden, your sacrifice becomes a beautiful offering. It doesn't feel like sacrifice anymore because no longer are you looking at your life as your own, but you're looking at this life that you're living on the altar, on the fire, being consumed by God Almighty as an offering, as an act of worship. So fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore, this living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. His heart is burning for you. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench 
the raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this ferocious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore because all of a sudden it has become an all. An offering has become a beautiful act of worship in which you long to do because you know who God is and you know who what he's saying and how much he cares for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give, or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.